once your eyes really open to the mushroom world, you can't not see them. Yes, I get that. Yeah, they're everywhere. They're like little jewels. They're just, just beautiful, you know? They're like flowers. They are. They're, except better. This is Diary of a Nation. I'm your host, Christina Zlotnick. My podcast explores the human experience. I'm a broccoli, and I look like a tree. I'm a walnut, and I look like a brain. I'm a mushroom, and I hate this game. Christine Gagnon with the Unkanunik Foraging Company calls herself a mushroom enthusiast, and a few other choice names. She lives here in New Hampshire, where she started foraging for mushrooms a few years ago. This summer, she met me on a trail in Amherst, where I live, and we nerded out together on mushrooms. Christine, what's it been like foraging this summer? You know, people have been, you know, will email and say, well, what's the trail like? You know, is it hard, and how far are we going? And in July, it was, you know, we're going about 200 feet, and that's going to be it for two hours because there are so many mushrooms around that we don't have, you know, we can't go any further. There's just so many. And that's what it's been like this season. It's been a little bit crazy. Well, it's been fantastic. And then at times, it's been overwhelming. This is a little lactarious. I'm not really sure what kind. So lactarius, usually if you, if you break the gills or the surface, if the mushroom isn't dried out, it actually secretes a white or clear or yellow, different types of latex. Some are very edible. Some are sweet. Some are sort of uh, have several species that make up what's called like a candy cap sweet mushroom that you dehydrate. It smells like maple syrup. And you can use it in baking and, and cooking. And then others that are just delicious in dishes. That sounds like a really good one for New Hampshire. Maple syrup-flavored mushrooms. It does, except that once somebody described it as not necessarily real maple syrup, but fake maple syrup, which I thought was interesting. And I could sort of see that, too. So we'll just say sweet and sort of maple-y. I guess maybe that's the the best description. But yeah, perfect for, (laughs) for New Hampshire. Oh, so this is a mushroom that you can see as this white and yellow sort of coating on it so fungi certain fungi parasitize other fungi so this is a mushroom that's been parasitized by another fungus called hypomyces chrysospermis and you can see if you break it in half you can see the coating to me it almost looks like an m&m candy when you break it in half and you see that (laughs) that coating around the outside yeah right the it's the candy shell It's the hypomyces shell. (laughs) So that's what's happening there. You know, everybody, I think a lot of people when they first start looking at mushrooms want to learn about what's edible, right? What can I eat? Which that's exciting. And I get that. And I was probably right there, you know, not couldn't wait to have like my first mushroom that I had picked myself, you know, but it takes a while to get there. But then for me, and I think for a lot of other people, you slowly start liking all the mushrooms. You want to know what all the mushrooms are. You know, all their names, what groups, what, 
what genus they are. So now I, I, I say when we go out on walks, I'm not just going to show you just the edible ones because that's people's first question. Is it edible? Well, I don't know. Let's figure out what it is first. And we'll learn how to figure out what it is first. Because then people will say, well, how do you know it's edible? Somebody asked me last weekend, well, how do you know this is edible? And I kind of looked at them and I didn't know how to answer the question. And I kind of said, well, because I know. But the long answer is I've learned how to identify this mushroom and I've studied it. And I know what it is, so not, and I know that it's edible. There's not any one characteristic that you can look at a mushroom and say, oh, it has this, so it must be edible, or it has this, so it must be toxic, or it has this, so it must be poisonous. Every mushroom has its own set of boxes to check, its own criteria. What about the colors? Does that tell you anything in particular, or is that just something you need to learn? Yeah, it tells you what color they are. But that's it, though. <laughs> that's it, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, because, you know, there are other new books that say if you're going to eat a bolete, which is a tubed and poured fungus, which I think we have right here, actually. This is a Lexinum longicurvipes. And you can see it has like a sponge-like bottom. Uh, and when you break it open, it has these tubes where if you were to open a box of straws and hold it to get, you know, hold all the straws together in your hand, you'd have all these vertical tubes. And then the bottom of the tubes are the pores where the spores are released. So you can see the tubes all side by side. Oh, yes. I've seen that at Shaw's. Oh, really? <laughs> well, the lines under the cap, right? Well, I think probably what you saw at Shaw's were more of the gills, like the gill mushrooms that have gills. So that's different than this. Yeah, these are literally tubes all squished together side by side. And we'll find a gilled mushroom, and you'll be able to see the difference. Well, it shows how little I know. Well, you know, I realized when I was giving walks, and I would talk about gilled mushrooms, that people didn't know what I meant. And so I was glad to figure that out, because then at the beginning of my walks, I can say, you know, no, no question is a bad one. Who knows what a gilled mushroom is? Who doesn't? If there's anything I say that you don't get, please ask, because in my mind... Everybody knows what a gilled mushroom is, but apparently not everybody does. Well, you met another person today who doesn't. <laughs> right, right. So happy to help. <laughs> so yes, in the in the grocery store, the mushrooms that you get generally are, are gilled mushrooms. You're, you're not going to find boletes in the grocery store. And a bolete is an umbrella term for these mushrooms that have these tubes and pores. And now when you're walking, once you start, once your eyes really open to the mushroom world, you can't not see them. Yes, I get that. Yeah, they're everywhere. They're like little jewels. They're just just beautiful, you know? They're so, like flowers. They are. They're except better. <laughs> In you, my opinion. Would you rather get mushrooms for Mother's Day than flowers? Yes. Yes. <laughs> I have received mushrooms for Mother's Day. <laughs> it's cheaper. <laughs> and mushroom-related gifts. I got this basket, I think, for Mother's Day or my birthday. I can't remember. But... You look like Little Red Riding Hood with your basket. <laughs> yeah, I love my baskets, I know. Let's go see what that is. It's amazing how we've only walked a few feet here at Joe English Reservation in Amherst, New Hampshire, but we're already finding so many different species. Yeah, there's a lot. Romaria porus, I think that's called. I'm not really sure. That's new to me. I mean... You know, people come on my walks and they go, oh, you know so much. And, well, I know more than you, but there are so many more people who know so much more than I do, you know. But when you say that, yeah. 
you don't know everything. How can you really know that something is not poisonous then? <laughs> well, the, here's you're, you have to be smart about it, right? If you don't know what something is, then you don't eat it. So you're absolutely certain what it is before you're eating it. 110%. And that's easy for you to identify certain species. Yes. Others not so much because you haven't learned everything, right? Exactly. Yes. I had somebody at a walk that had a, a mushroom. I'm not even going to say what it was, but it was a mushroom. But it's in a genus of mushrooms that go from very good edibles to ones that will kill you. And this particular one that he had was edible. And I don't lie. I say it is edible, but it's not a beginner mushroom. Because when I leave here at the end of this walk, you need to know that you can 100% identify this mushroom in the future. And I don't think that you can on a two-hour introductory walk in the woods. And I, I almost had to wrestle it out of his hands because you know, he wanted to go home and eat it. And I was saying, you know, no, you can't, <laughs> you can't do that, you know. Because um, people don't like to hear. I used to like to not to hear. It's not a beginner mushroom. Well, what do you mean? I, you know, because the genus is so varied, yes. and you need to learn all of that before you can know which one yes. is edible and which one is not. Because some are not, and some are poisonous. Yes, and there are a lot of lookalikes, so you have to be able to tell the difference. And in fact, this is one of the mushrooms right here um, that is not edible. That is one of the very poisonous mushrooms. So that to me looks like a button mushroom that I see in the grocery store, a very basic one. I have no knowledge. I would have no idea that that would be poisonous. I would think that one was safe knowing nothing else. Yeah, so this is an Amanita. This is one of the deadly mushrooms. Why are you even handling it then? <laughs> you can handle any mushroom and then lick your fingers Rub your eyes, eat your lunch, and you're fine. I can also taste and spit any mushroom as long as I spit. Because how a mushroom smells, how a mushroom tastes, is, uh, are, is often an indicator or one of the characteristics that helps you get to what it is. So you would take a little bite chew it just on the front of your tongue, let it sit for a minute, see what it does, spit it out. The toxins um, contained in the mushroom have to be ingested and metabolized by your body. They need to go further down. Yes. It's not, you know, I mean, that's different than if you get contact dermatitis because you have an allergy, right? That's unrelated to the mushroom in a lot of ways. That's your system reacting to things that maybe nobody else has a reaction to. Yeah. So you would take a little bit of the cap? Is that what we call it? The top part? Yeah, you can call it a cap. Yeah. That's what you would break off a tiny bit of and taste if yeah. you needed to. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard these taste very good. I have tasted them before. Like, how poisonous is that? Basically, you would need a liver and kidney transplant. No. Mm -hmm. Organ transplants? Yes. Yeah, it's very serious. It's a very serious um, little mushroom. If I ate that one? Yes. One is enough to do that. Yes. So we only have one poisonous snake in New Hampshire, but we have a lot of poisonous mushrooms. Yeah, quite a few. 
So there's poisonous that will kill you. There's poisonous that will make you kind of wish you were dead is the joke. I hate to say it that way, but you will end up in the hospital just until you're, you know, to keep your fluids and, and stuff going. Um, there are mushrooms that will make you feel nauseous or keep you in the bathroom for a while. You know, there's different levels of poison or, or toxin. And most mushrooms uh, have to be cooked before they're eaten. Even the store mushrooms you're supposed to. I did know that. And yeah. why is that? Because, well, there's a couple of reasons. So do you know morel mushrooms? Yes. So morel mushrooms actually contain a toxin that cooks out when you cook it. So it's very important to cook it and to cook it for long enough. Also, cell walls are made up of chitin, which is a very hard uh, material that's hard to digest. Um, when you cook, you're still not bringing it to the high enough temperature to really break it down, but it sort of gets the process started. So those are the two, two things, you know, there. Are you going to put that in the basket, the poisonous one? Probably will, maybe. I mean, I'm not collecting any edible ones today. So I'll probably put it in there. Just cut it in half later, study it. It's such a perfect little specimen. It's beautiful. Yeah, isn't it? Even though it's white. Yeah, but it's it's so white and it's... It stands out. It stands out. Yes, it does. I love those red ones with the dots like you see in the fairy tales. Yeah. So this is an Amanita. And those are also Amanita. Same genus, but different... Um, section different species they do have a muscaria in new hampshire but it's a different variety so the it gets hard because you have all these different levels of you know kingdom order fi- fi- family i oh forget boy, all those i'm things, going right? back to yeah, college yeah. now yeah, i can't even remember this is why i need to take a class because i forget all this stuff but um you'd think that it's like genus and then species but it gets complicated with the mushrooms because it's like genus and then under the genus there's all these like subgenus or subsections or stirps or species but then varieties of species it gets so you know the family tree just keeps getting exponentially larger um so there are muscaria like the red but in new hampshire you may have seen them as yellow or almost orangey yellow a lot of times although there are a lot of amanitas that are yellow with dots so here we go again, right? Where there's so many lookalikes that... We're getting back in the weeds, Christine. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of weeds. So, but in a way it's good because I want people to understand you can't walk up to any yellow dotted mushroom and think it's the same as the other yellow dotted mushroom you saw three feet away. Now I'm realizing I know less than I thought I did, which was very little to begin with. <laughs> right, right. I feel the same way <laughs> on a daily basis. Well, you sound way smarter. <laughs> Well, it's it's a lot of obsessive time and communicating and, and learning constantly and putting myself out there, uh, you know, in the Facebook groups, making mistakes, having to shake off the ego and pick up and keep going. But that's how you learn. What sparked your interest in mushrooms? Um, when I was a kid and I lived in Quebec on my grandparents' farm for a few years, there was a family down the road living in a log cabin in the woods. I think they were from a Scandinavian country and they would go out and forage for mushrooms. And that always stuck with me. But literally from the time I was 10 until three years ago, I never had anything to do with mushrooms. Yet that imagery of the mushrooms on their dining room table in their log cabin always stuck with me. So in 2018, there was a tremendous amount of rainfall and I didn't understand at the time how that related to mushrooms because I wasn't really seeing them. But then one day in August 1st, I want to say, I was out on a hike and started seeing mushrooms. So I reached out to a woman in town, Retta McGregor, 
who had been known as the mushroom lady and um she's you know sort of sits every morning at a table outside of Apotheca in the middle of Goffstown with her friends who just sort of come and go. And I remember I would come a few times with mushrooms and we would talk and she'd show me things. And and then I kind of went off from there. Two months ago in July, that was the rainiest month on record in New Hampshire. What did you see? So many mushrooms. I saw mushrooms that I had not seen since 2018. I saw mushrooms that I had never seen in person before. But I knew what they were just from studying and seeing other people post them from different parts of the country and not just one. So I would see a mushroom and then I would drive down a mile and then I would see 10 more and then I would drive to a different town and I would see 20 more. The numbers were tremendous. The number of mushrooms, the variety of mushrooms, it was overwhelming and wonderful and I was trying to take it all in and I felt like if I don't learn this now, I don't know when I'll have the opportunity to really see these again in person. You know, that's sort of what I was feeling, almost this pressure of, I haven't seen these in three years, so I better study them now and figure it out now because I never know when I'm going to see them again. <laughs> in real life, right? Yeah, exactly. So I saw what was happening in July or even end of June and I thought, I, I need to do this now. I need to, people want to see this. Now. People want to learn now. People are showing an interest. I just need to do it while the mushrooms are there. Why wait? And then it just never stopped. And it's been, it's not as crazy as July, but it's still very, very good out there. What do you call yourself, Christine? A mushroom enthusiast or a myco nerd or a mycophile or, you know, any, any fun name I can think of. But not an expert at this point. I don't know if ever. I don't know if I'll ever get a degree in mycology, but right now, certainly an enthusiast who is learning every day. You told me earlier, too, that we had more poisoning calls in New Hampshire this year. Yeah, I think they had the Northern New England Poison Control Center had 22 or so poisonings just in July, which I think was equal to the number that they usually get per year for mushrooms. And it was not just kids. I mean, sometimes it was kids, but sometimes it was adults just not thinking and seeing mushrooms in their yard and thinking they could eat them. Or people mistaking, um, well, we call them jack-o'-lanterns, omphalatus eludens, uh, for chanterelles, except that they cause extreme GI um, issues and you end up in the hospital with dehydration and, and it's not a good thing. Um, so, yeah, there was quite a lot going on in the month of July. How does a mushroom form? Uh, mushroom forms when uh, the mycelium, which is always underground, has all of the conditions above ground and, and in the ground actually line up. The soil temperature, the soil moisture, the air temperature, the air moisture, um, the season. There are so many boxes that need to be checked. And when that's ready, um, it starts pushing all of its cells together to form this fruit that will come up out of the ground. That's sort of the simplest way I can think of. I know we have thousands of species of mushrooms here in New Hampshire. What are some of the tastiest mushrooms that we can find in our state? That's a hard question. Man, there's so many. So you know porcini. You've heard of porcini mushrooms. So those are, we call it an edulous mushroom or an edulous clade mushroom, which is sort of a group of bolites similar with the tubes and the pores. But, they're, but not all of them, just a, a handful that are considered porcini-grade mushrooms. Those are wonderfully sought after. Um, morels we have here. There's just so many hedgehogs or hiddenum mushrooms that I collected up 
you know, on the mountain yesterday, Tylopillus batis. There's just so many. There's so many edible mushrooms. Um, I think more than people realize. Oh, you know, I, let me just go back because I've forgotten some of the obvious ones that people look for, especially beginners. There's uh, Griffula frondosa, which is a hen of the woods, which grows at the root at the base of um, hen of the woods, which grows at the base of oak trees, which are delicious mushroom they grow can be quite sizable and people also look for what's called chicken of the woods is the common name um latiparus sulfurius or cincinnatus and there might be one or two other species mixed in there but it's kind of like a candy corn colored mushroom that grows usually off the side of trees or logs or sometimes out of the ground near trees i mean those are some of the common ones that people look for what are the names of some of the poisonous mushrooms that we have here in new hampshire Two of the most poisonous are in the Amanita genus, and the common names are Death Cap and Destroying Angel. Um, they're both white and very appealing looking, I would imagine, to people who don't know about mushrooms. And I've uh, heard that they actually taste good. So how a mushroom tastes is also not indicative of whether or not it's toxic or poison. It's just another characteristic that we look at to help determine identification of a mushroom. There's another one that's a little trickier for beginners, I think, especially called Gallerina marginata, funeral bells. I mean, you know, what what better name can you have for a poisonous mushroom than funeral bells? I like the poisonous mushroom names. <laughs> They're fun, aren't they? They're apt. <laughs> yes, they are. We're going to get right to the point. There's no beating around the bush. This is a funeral bell. Um, and those tend to grow on logs and uh, can be in trees or in mulch and stuff too. But those have more lookalikes, I would say, than the Amanita. So you really have to know, you know, what you're looking at. Have you looked at mushrooms under a microscope? And how far do you plan to take your education? I have not looked under a microscope yet. And I feel silly saying that because I have people even today saying to me, do you have a microscope? Can you look at this under a microscope? Or... Um, Spike Mikulski always saying, you need a microscope. Why aren't you looking at these spores under a microscope? Because every um, species of mushroom, the spores are different. So this, the spores of this mushroom will look different than the spores of the other mushroom we were looking at. They're going to be a different size, a different shape, a different texture. They might have little ridges on them. Sometimes that's the only way that you can tell mushrooms apart is by looking at the spores. I've been thinking a lot lately about taking more formalized classes in mycology or biology or somehow related to mushrooms and, and learning more about that whole world because it fascinates me and I feel like that's the next natural progression. I have a personal question. Yeah. I have a big fat ball shaped mushroom that's brown it's like a tennis ball okay. and when you punch it yeah. has this big ball of smoke coming out yeah so that's a puff ball of some kind it could be a sclerodamera which is a pigskin puff ball or it could be a calvadia puff ball and they both what happens is that the inside um is hard or meaty and then as it gets older, it turns into that powder. Well, first it gets really goopy, and then it turns into that powder, and then those are the spores. So the funny thing about the puffballs, the, the calvadia especially, is if you cut them in half and they're white inside, they're perfectly edible. But if they start to yellow, you don't want them because now it's starting to turn into spores. 
the topic of mushrooms is just fascinating to me. And when I was doing research before today, I learned that the oldest and largest organism on Earth is a fungus that lives on a mountaintop in Oregon. It covers thousands of acres and is thousands of years old. I had no idea about this. Yeah, it's fascinating because we don't think of, I think we don't think of it as one organism, but it really is all connected. And it's, even though we don't see the mushrooms during certain seasons, the mycelium is still there living underground. So it's still there. And it's one big, huge connected thing. And it's a fascinating thing. And those mushrooms do grow around here, by the way, too. That same species of mushroom does grow here. We just don't have such a large display or existence of it here. So we're not going to win any world records we're not going to beat out Oregon. We're not, we'll never beat out Oregon. Although that's not true. We've been having a very good year. And my Oregon friends have been, I think, maybe a little bit jealous of some of the fines that we've been getting. When usually it's the other way around. <laughs> true. It has been such a wet summer and humid. Yeah, yeah it's been fantastic. Yeah. I also watched a documentary that explained how psychedelic mushrooms or magic mushrooms help with neurogenesis in the body. And they said that psychedelics produce synesthesia which can be described as the ability to hear color or see music. And it's a factor in facilitating the development of language in the evolution of our human brain. That just blows my mind, literally. Yeah, I think that it's a science that has been ignored for far too long, and it has been underground for far too long because of the stigma attached to the mushrooms and the effects that they can have and maybe misuse in the past as well but I think there is a tremendous medical benefit and a lot of research that needs to continue happening so that it can be brought more to the mainstream. So you lead public events but you will also do private events and Kehinde Wiley reached out to you recently the famed President Obama portrait artist he invited you to upstate New York to lead him on a mushroom foraging walk. Can you share part of your experience with him? It was amazing. I mean, first just being contacted by him was unreal. You know, we were a family of artists. So when I heard that Kahinde Wiley was contacting me, I mean, it wasn't like I had to Google. I was more my everything slowed down in my head. And I thought that can't be right. And my son, who was reading the message, said, no, it is. And I said, what does he want? And he said he wants you to go on a mushroom walk. And I was like, okay. So I went, and it was wonderful. And he was so into it and so enthusiastic and exuberant and had a smile on his face the entire time and just couldn't get enough. And he was, you know, taking video of me talking about the mushrooms so he could go back and look at it later and then making little signs and taking pictures of the mushrooms so that he could remember what they were. Um, we ended up going back to his land, his home and foraging there to let him know it was on his land. And he had a couple of friends with him as well, who were also very into it. And so they were all sort of spread out and all bringing mushrooms to us. And, and it was it was an amazing time. It was amazing. And I'm going back. Wow. Yeah. Have you come back down to earth yet? No, not really. I have not come back down to earth yet. Mushrooms for me have been a life changer. It's, it's a strange thing. I became obsessed. I had to learn to be able to spend time in the woods by myself, which I think is an important thing. Because it's not just being alone because I'm afraid of what's in the woods. And here I'm going to get like maybe deeper than we need to. But when you're alone with yourself in the woods 
there's no way to escape sort of your thoughts and things that you have to work through and things that you have to process. And uh, so being in the woods looking for mushrooms is great. And even if you don't find mushrooms, you're still in the woods. Like there's no wasted day, in my opinion, when you're in the woods. You know, in the beginning, my kids would come home and they would say, oh my God, it smells like mushrooms in here. I'm not eating that. It smells gross. You know, or I'd get calls because I'd stop on the way home from work and they'd say, where are you? Like, what woods are you in now? Why because, aren't you here being my mom? Yes. Why aren't you here being my mom? Because I would drive home and I would see a little trail on the side of the road and I would have to pull over and go in. Even in my work clothes, like I might not have the appropriate, I wouldn't care. I would just go in the woods with whatever I had on. And they'd say, are you coming home soon? And I'd go, yeah, sometimes soon I'll be home and it sort of just went on from there and then I just became more and more committed to it and uh, into learning and then eventually teaching others and helping out because I mod and admin a bunch of pages on Facebook and I am not so far removed from when I was brand new and so I feel like I have a little of the perspective still of being brand new and knowing where these people are coming from. And I, a couple of years ago, decided that, you know, I had, I went to art school, but then somehow ended up being a realtor and then selling insurance and moving to different companies because I just wasn't feeling it. And then um, most recently I was working in a middle school as a para and the kids were great, but I just still wasn't feeling it there. And then... I, I was sort of going through a, a, like a midlife crisis, I guess. I don't know if I want to call it that, but I think I had mentioned that in 2019, I lost my dad and then in October and then my mom got very sick after that. Oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah. She had um, multiple heart attacks before she called to tell me that she was having a heart attack and then ended up having quintuple bypass just as COVID started. So we couldn't be in the hospital with her. Then she came home and then on June 2nd of 20, she had a massive stroke. So at 70 now, she's in the nursing home for the rest of her life, right? So we went through all this loss, losing my dad, and, and, and it's like losing my mom, but not really, but she just wants to be home. You know, there's just all this turmoil and other stuff in the house and just life, right? Life that's sometimes difficult to deal with. And mushrooms for me were always an escape. They brought me so much pleasure and so much peace, you know, when I was in the woods, and then I just knew I needed to make changes. And then this summer happened. And then I took my son on a college trip in August. But then even before that, I had been, you know, on this other, I had been on NHPR. And then I was then told it was being picked up by, by NPR. And I'm on a college trip with my son. And it's I, my last day of summer school had been Thursday. And I hadn't told them that I wasn't coming back. And then I said, I really should let them know because I really don't think I can go back. So on Monday, I texted and said, I'm not coming back. Tuesday, my life blew up. Tuesday, the story played on here and now. Tuesday, I was contacted by Kahinde Wiley. Tuesday, people were saying that they were joining groups because they had heard me on national public radio from across the country. Right. And now and then you contacted me and then I have people wanting me to go to Burlington, Vermont. I'm going back to upstate New York. People are suggesting that I do Zoom classes in the winter through adult ed. I mean, the whole thing is just I said to my husband the other day, like, I think this is my job now. I think this was what I wanted. It's been great. And I feel like I've had so many cheerleaders in my personal life, but also in my Michael life, um, who I consider my best friends. You know, we all sort of back each other and support each other. 
and um, try to help each other succeed and find a way. So it's been, it's been amazing. Isn't it beautiful how life unfolds? It, it really is. It really is. And one of my friends just quit his job, and I thought, oh, God, I don't know if I'm a good influence or a bad influence. <laughs> you know? Well, I think this last year has made everyone think harder about what they want out of life. Yeah, exactly. About what they want to do and how they want to spend their next however many years. And um, if I had done this sooner, it would have been fantastic. But I have no regrets. I'm doing it now, you know, and I'm loving it. And, um, you know, my friends, uh, Joe and Brenda, are mushroom farmers. And they help people set up their own farms and to grow. And they also want to see us succeed. So he's constantly saying, hey, call this person. They want to walk. Or why don't you do this? Or he'll call me every day and go... You know, don't forget you're fantastic and you need to be giving walks and you're really good at this, you know, or, um, you know, my friend Matt, he's been doing it about six months, long, six months longer than me. And he is like an encyclopedia already for mushrooms. Um, so, you know, we learn a lot from him. My friend Jimmy and I, who's in Goffstown with me, we connect, we forage everywhere together. We learn a lot from each other. My friend Melinda, who I climbed Tecumseh with yesterday, she just knows so much. So actually what she's thinking of doing is her family's from Dominica. They are newly liberated, like less than 30 years. And so now their infrastructure is sort of lacking. But what's happening is that people have this idea that only new is good and old isn't. And so they're giving up all the old ways. And she's actually started reaching out to organizations in the government and non-government organizations to try to convince them to retain the old ways and one of them being mushroom hunting and foraging and farming and those things. So she's taken an active role. My friend Maria Pinto is also a mushroom enthusiast and a writer, and she's been doing research on foraging in the African diaspora and how that information carried from Africa to different um, island nations um, and then to here and the different foods, and she's trying to track all of that history down. Anyway, my friend, um, you know, Beth in Philadelphia, who completely started a... a Oh, yeah, I know Beth. (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding. My friend Bethany Tigan in Philadelphia, who started from scratch a whole Philadelphia mycological club. Um, And her friend Sam, who's now getting a job working with environmental uh, conservation kind of stuff and is going to be incorporating ideas of mushrooms. And my friend Ariel Bonkowski, who's going to be teaching at all these outdoor schools I think I'm not exactly sure so sorry guys if I got it wrong but I you know there are these people who've been around that we're learning a ton from but it's so fun for me to see and I say this generation like I'm not young all these people are younger than me but to see this next sort of level of people coming up and doing all of these things around mushrooms you know Matt is teaching two classes at a Montessori school in Connecticut taking the kids and their parents out into the woods you know, just spreading the word. And it's, um, you know, and then meeting Kahinde and then meeting his two friends, one a Cameroonian painter who paints about the loss in his culture through colonialism. I think, look what mushrooms have brought to my life to meet these people and to see the wonderful work that they're doing, see the work Kahinde's doing, just to, you know, this whole, to think mushrooms did that for me. And I know it sounds weird, but that's, but it's true. Mushrooms are connecting you to people. Yeah. I have, I'm creating my own mycelium, right? Exactly, <laughs> my own mycelium exactly. network. Right, my own myco network. Is there a book that you recommend for people learning about mushrooms? If you want to know about identifying, the Audubon mushroom book is a good one. It's about 40 years old. But the way it's set up 
is a is easy i think it's user friendly to find the mushrooms the words might be outdated the names might be outdated but again if you take the names that are there and google then you take a pencil and correct in your book if that's important to you or not you know one follow-up i would say is so i i because i don't think i came full circle with this idea of my kids being annoyed with the whole mushroom thing in the beginning now my 18 year old likes to come with me occasionally and learn about mushrooms and help me forage which is fun my 17 year old son who's my youngest was with me when I started getting all that attention and I think and and I think they're excited by it you know I think they think it's pretty cool and then my husband is so supportive and he gets a little verklempt now you know he's you know (laughs) which is so cute I know it's it's a great way to spend family time too yeah it's fun and then the friendships that are made locally nationally I'll go to a mushroom festival where I've never met people in person and it's like meeting friends it's like meeting old friends for the first time if that makes sense because we all know each other in a sense thank you so much Christine it was really nice to spend the afternoon with you out here in Amherst Great, thank you, because I will talk about mushrooms forever. (laughs) I know you will. (laughs) Yeah, thanks. Would you be willing to help me attract new listeners? Rating and reviewing my show through Apple Podcasts helps people discover the podcast. Telling your friends to listen and sharing this episode on your social media channels also helps. Please, and thank you. Find Diary of a Nation through your favorite podcast app. Follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Diary of a Nation.